0: If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church. Or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox.
1: Springmount and welcome to another Sunday. Uh, for the next few weeks we're going to be looking at a new series and this series is called Heroes. So who is your hero and what superpower would you have if you could possibly have one? Uh, I don't know what mine would be but uh, maybe being able to fly or maybe being able to travel anywhere in the blink of an eye would be quite good. Um, but Hebrews chapter 11 is sometimes called the Hall of Faith instead of the Hall of Fame, because it's full of heroes of faith. And we're gonna be looking at some of the people named as heroes of faith. And today's first reading is read by Trish, who is currently working really hard on the front line in a very busy chemists. So over to you, Trish, thank you.
0: Hebrews 11, chapter one to four. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen.
1: Thanks for that, Trish. Great that you could read it for us in your busy time as a a chemist on the front line serving in uh, Hartington Street's chemist. So thank you for that. I can remember a song we used to use as a memory verse at one of the youth camps I went on. And it was the first verse from Hebrews 11. And it said, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. What are you sure of right now? If I was to say, what are you certain of and what is a certainty in your life? What can you guarantee? What would the answer be? Well, I'm sure of my age, I think. I'm 47, I was born in 1972 and this year I'll be 48. I'm sure that as you're watching this, it's Sunday. I'm sure that I live at Chapel House Barn. But that's all the things that are in the present. That's all the things that I can say right now in this very second that I'm sure of. But what am I sure about tomorrow? What am I even sure about later on today? And this crisis has rocked many of our certainties, hasn't it? These issues with viruses and and the uncertainty of when life will return to some sort of normality, we have no idea. The answer is... We cannot be sure or certain of our own plans. But faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we can't see. It's not blind faith. Blind faith is where somebody follows blindly without any proof, without any evidence for what we believe or for what we follow. That is not what Christian faith is all about. It is not blind someone this week online used a quote where a friend had said I can't believe in God because I can't see God and the response was well you can't see the virus but you're wearing a mask lots of soap and and hand sanitizer on your hands and gloves when you go out and the response to that might be well yes but if you look under a microscope we can see the virus But today I truly believe and want to challenge anybody that if you truly study the evidence for God and Jesus, if you put God under the microscope, then the truth can indeed be seen. Just as a church in Barrow and Furness, the effect of God on people in our church is clearer than ever to see. People who have had their lives turned around from disaster to hope in their future. People who have had claims of... um, Chains of addiction, sorry, and depression broken because God has broken into their lives. People who've been in dark pits or holes of depression that are now walking in the light of Jesus. Not necessarily everything sorted, but with a hope that is certain God is clearly at work. So as we start this chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, we can be encouraged to know that faith is certain that faith is sure because it's sure of what we hope for and certain of the thing we cannot see. I can say to you with certainty today that Jesus' tomb is empty and the evidence for his life and his death and resurrection is overwhelming. My hope is for a future that is free from death, pain and suffering with no more tears and no more struggling that isn't a wish list, that is a hope that is promised of God, that there is a future where those things can be real for me. And actually there is a present where I can see glimpses of them every day. When I was younger there was a phrase that somebody used about faith and it was this, it's, it's not about pie in the sky when you die, it's about steak on the plate while you wait. Faith isn't about pie in the sky when you die, it's not waiting for that moment in the future when we, we go to be with Jesus, it's about the here and now. Faith is about here and now, it's the stake on the plate while you wait. Faith is active, active right now, it doesn't just sit and wait in hope, it is active in the here and now and we can know God's presence with us today. Faith is shown through action. What action do we show that we have faith? Well we read God's word as a church and as individuals the more we get into his word the more our faith will grow. Why do we read it? Because we believe it to be true and an authority to live our lives by. This verse in the message version says it is this faith that is a firm foundation. It's not shaky And then it says, and it's what makes life worth living. What makes life worth living for you? What is the thing that that makes you think every morning, I can get out of bed because? Many people think I am obsessed with Biscoff spread. In fact, Courtney sent me a picture this week showing me that they are bringing out the equivalent of Biscoff custard creams. Now that's quite exciting news for someone like me, although I am running again a little and trying to lose some of my weight. So it's not great to send me pictures of things that are gonna tempt me. So I've got the willpower to say I'm not gonna give in. But after pancake day this year, and they were promoting this spread as, as the ideal thing for your pancake, it took around a week before it was back in stock on any, custom, on any supermarket shelves. I couldn't find it anywhere. I was so disappointed. And without Biscoff, was life still worth living? And the answer to that question is, of course it is. Biscoff isn't that important. I talk about it a lot. But it's not that important. The life that is worth living is worth the living because Jesus lives. So the heroes we're going to be looking at in this chapter were commended for their faith. They were recognised as God's people because they exercised faith in him. Because they put their trust in God. And they put their trust in God. In his promises, they showed their faith in how they acted. How do we do with that? How are we showing our faith in how we act? Part of that is recognising we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to worry. And we know that God can provide in these circumstances. And we're seeing God's provision as church and as Walnut Community Trust. And we're seeing God answer prayers at this time. Verse 3 in Hebrews chapter 11 says we show our faith when we recognise that the universe was made from nothing by God. That's the first thing that we we recognise that something that we see all day, all day, every day came from something that is unseen. That we recognise that there is a creator and a designer behind our universe and that he alone is able to bring something out of nothing. And verse four mentions our first hero of faith, and that is Abel. Steve Pryor is going to read the short passage in Genesis that is mentioned here. Thanks, Steve.
0: And made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him.
1: So, four chapters into the Bible... And we get the first murder in humanity's history. That didn't take long. Why? It's caused by jealousy. But it does ask the question. How do we please God? Does God prefer animals to plants maybe? What caused Cain to be so jealous that he would kill his brother? You know. There's been plenty of times in my life where I've wanted to try my hardest to please people. And maybe you can sit at home and relate to this now that sometimes you just want to please the people around you so that life seemingly will be smoother. One example is when I first started speaking at church, I desperately wanted those more experienced, those that were older, those that had been there to say well done or Maybe mention something good that I'd said, but quite often, it never came. There wasn't criticism necessarily, but the absence of encouragement was sometimes hard to take. So what did I do? I tried harder. I studied more. I looked for it, but it often still didn't come. I told better jokes. I know that's really hard to believe. And obviously those have improved over time. But what was my mistake? My mistake in that situation was I was looking to please the different people and not necessarily putting God first. Over the years, I've realised that while it's nice to be encouraged, and thank you to those who have been sending me text messages over the last few weeks, um, because that helps to keep going. But I've realised while it's nice to be encouraged, it's more important that in my actions and in my attitude, I please God. It's more important that I prepare my talks with God front and centre. That I please him by far being the best aim. Verse 6 in Hebrews 11 that we'll look at again next week says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So maybe Cain just didn't have that faith and trust in God. Cain's mistake in Genesis is not pleasing God. But what is the difference between Cain and and Abel and what they did. The old joke says, why couldn't Cain please God? The answer? Because he wasn't able. (laughs) Haha. That implies that it's to do with the person he was and that's just not true because God has no favourites. God isn't about putting one person above the other. God isn't prejudiced. Both Cain and Abel gave offerings from their income, if you like. Both appeared to want to please God by bringing offerings in the first place the difference is in the attitude of the giving the difference actually can be seen in the adjectives now those of you that are homeschooling at the moment don't worry I'm not going to go into a big English lesson about present and past participles and things that I don't even understand but we all should know what an adjective is an adjective is a word that describes a noun it describes an item or a thing or a place or a person in fact there are some wonderful adjectives some creatively super adjectives is, am i going too far going a bit too far okay but adjectives in this story are the things that show our, shows the heart attitude the adjectives make all the difference so i could have said to roz on friday night for example Thanks for that cottage pie for tea. I've given I've given my thanks. My attitude is one of thankfulness and gratefulness. Or I could say, thanks for that delicious, tasty and lovingly made cottage pie that you created with your beautiful hands. Massively different. First of all, I'd probably need to pass the sick bag to her. Secondly, Ros would probably wonder what I've done wrong that I'm trying to make up for. And maybe she might think I've gone mad in lockdown using such flowery language over a cottage pie. But secondly, if I do it sincerely and with the right attitude, there's a chance that that cottage pie might get made again. Or maybe I was just being a bit of a suck up or as Peter Crouch's podcast would say, I was parched. Don't worry if you don't get that one. But verse three in Genesis and verse four in Genesis chapter four show us the contrast between Cain and Abel's attitude and it shows why Abel was a hero of faith and it shows that he had complete trust in the God that he saw in all around him. Verse three says this, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. Well that's overwhelming isn't it when you read it like that. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. Verse four, Abel Brought fat portions from the firstborn, the most precious of his flock. I think you can see that the adjectives make all the difference. Cain's attitude is seen in the fact that it just says some of. Whereas Abel brought fat portions. He brought the firstborn, the most precious. You can hear in those two verses that their giving sounds totally different in attitude. Cain's attitude to God is that God is a bit of an afterthought is that how we come to church is that how we come to these sessions that is a bit of an afterthought we like getting together maybe in this lockdown we've realized we miss the fellowship and we miss the getting together that's understandable but actually we can still put God first and we can still dedicate to him but Cain's attitude is a bit of an afterthought it's a little bit like when you go to somebody or or somebody in your house gets a box of celebrations for Christmas or for their birthday and uh, they open it and before they share the box of celebrations around, they take all the Maltesers, they take the caramels and they take all the ones that everybody really likes. Don't take issue with me if you don't like those ones. It's an illustration. They take all the ones that everybody else would love to have. Leaving you with, I don't know, the bounties or the Milky Ways or the ones, the snickers are the ones in celebrations that people uh, tend to avoid, Um, certainly in our house. But actually, that is Cain's attitude. He's thinking, I'm happy to give the ones that I don't really like or need, but I want the best ones for myself. Thank you very much. That is Cain's attitude to God. And maybe sometimes it's ours. I can imagine him putting a selection of veg together and fruit, making sure that he's got enough first and maybe giving the misshapen ones or the ones that aren't quite as big or healthy looking or the ones that are looking on the way out to going past their best before date. Just some of the fruit of the soil. However, for Abel, God is the first thought in his giving. He gives fat portions. I love that phrase fat portions and it makes me think of when we have a Sunday roast if it's a chicken and uh, I'll probably get told off by some of you as you're listening uh, especially people like Alison who's a nutritionist and they will tell me I need to not eat the fat but I love to eat the skin of the chicken. And if I get the chance to cut the chicken up to eat, then I love that juicy, crispy, tasty, flavoursome, oh, it's so nice. In fact, myself and Chloe, my daughter, will probably fight over it because we love those fat portions. It's the tastiest and the best part. And we love to get to it first. And actually, if we could, we would get to it first and eat it all. And that's probably why I'm struggling with my weight. If Shirley's there, she likes it as well. So, you know, you've got to get there first or you don't get it. Well, Abel gave the fat bits. He gave the fat portion to God, the choice pieces. He wasn't stingy. He wasn't mean. He was generous. Not only that, he gave the firstborn. The firstborn was seen as the most important, the purest and the best. And as it says, the most precious. Abel's heart was saying God take the best because I believe you will still provide for me that you will still pour out more of your provision on me that you will give what I need and I want to say God you deserve the best. I have faith that God you will provide and I want God you to have the best I have to give. So can you see that the adjectives show our heart attitude. That Abel was generous in his giving and didn't hold back. That Cain was less so. What adjectives describe us? What adjectives describe our heart and our nature and our natural behaviour? I uh, was on the chase not so long ago, you might remember. And I had to do an interview. And one of the questions they ask in that interview is, how would your closest friends describe you if you weren't listening? That's a scary question to answer, and I hope I answered it honestly. But what adjectives describe our attitude towards God? What adjectives describe our heart's attitude to who he is and what he does for us? And what attitudes describe our giving, our service, and our commitment to the creator of the universe? Does it strengthen our faith? Do you know, there must have been evidence of god's favor as well as a result of what abel and cain were giving it says god looked on abel's offering with favor and cain must see the evidence that he isn't being seen favorably and it says he gets angry and his face is downcast the message version says he got angry and went into a sulk because he wasn't getting what he wanted do you know a lot of the time it's our self-attitude that's the problem Cain wants the favour of God. Do you want the favour of God today? I hope the answer to that for all of us is yes. But it doesn't start in our hearts to please God first. And if it doesn't start in our hearts to please God first, then we're going to end up disappointed. We're going to end up with feelings of letdown. So what adjectives would describe our attitude towards the God of the universe today, towards our giving to him towards our sacrifice to him is it the best do we give the best do we give the choice parts do we give the first part do we give the fat portions or are we giving him second best with our lives and are we giving him without having a heart that trusts in him completely in verse 7 in the genesis story as we come to an end this morning god challenges cain and i believe that the holy spirit prompts us in exactly the same way today God challenges Cain and gives him two two warnings really two instructions he says first of all he says do the right thing do the right thing and secondly he says watch out because sin is crouching at your door and wants to overwhelm you if you don't get it under control two instructions to have faith and be a hero if someone gave you a two-step way of becoming a hero Then surely you would take it, do the right thing and watch you don't fall into the trap of sin. It reminds me a little bit of the online videos where they do an experiment where they put young children in a room with a bowl of Haribo sweets in front of them. And the researcher says, I'm going to be back in a minute, but don't touch the sweets. If you don't touch them, when I come back, you can have one. And the researcher goes out and the camera shows the children pulling faces as if to say they are trying with all their might to get their willpower under control. Some of them pick the sweets up and sniff them. Some of them lick them and put them back. Some of them just can't help themselves. And as soon as the door is closed, they take the sweet and eat it. And when the researcher comes back in and says, did you touch them? They say, oh, no, no, I didn't. That is our attitude, even as adults, isn't it? that is the same we don't change but God says we need to control ourselves that we need to do the right thing and we need to do the things that will please him it's funny to watch those videos it's cute even but the sad fact is that as we get older we still behave in the same way and we allow things to get a hold of us when we need to be surrendered to God The next thing we see in this passage after this warning is Cain murdering his brother. His heart attitude was in free fall. The adjectives to describe Cain here are not good at all. He kills Abel because of Abel's faith. Let us ask ourselves today, are we sure of the hope that we have? And if you're not, you can give your life to Jesus today. You can have steak on the plate while you wait, not just pie in the sky when you die. What describes our heart attitudes to God? Are we showing our faith in action? Are we giving him the best? Are we giving him our first and not just treating him as the afterthought? Abel was commended as a hero of faith because his attitude was to give his best to God. His attitude was to believe and trust in the God he did not see and to follow him and live life to please him. And he's a hero because he pleased God. Today, let us be looking at the things we know will please God. Let us be aware of the things that threaten to derail us and make sure we don't give in to them. Faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. If you've missed the devotions this week, check them back again. One of them was the story of the man healed in Acts chapter 3. And he was so certain of God's work in his life that he jumped up and down on the ankles that had never even stood up. Are we that sure of the hope we have in Jesus? Today, he is the hope of glory. And he invites you and me to be a hero. How? By having faith by giving him the best and learning that to please him is the most important thing. Let's put him first and let's give him the fat portions of our lives. I'm gonna pray. Father God, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the first hero we've looked at, that it is possible to please you. And Father, I pray we will not spend our time pleasing people. I pray that we will not spend our time with an attitude that is all wrong. Father God, give us an attitude that says, God, I want to give you the best. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. Father, let us worship you in completeness. Let us give you our soul, mind, body, and spirit. And let us listen to the prompts that say you need to get control of this sin. You need to you need to please me before pleasing man. So, Father God, I pray that as we continue into this difficult situation, that you will give us time to reflect, that you will give us time to apply and that you will help us to learn from these heroes of faith. And I pray, Lord, that one day people will look back and describe us as having a heart after God. So, Father God, I pray that we will know you and I pray that we will come to be part of your kingdom in Jesus name amen whatever you're doing today have a great day don't forget all the things that are going on there's a zoom worship tonight if you want the code please message and we can send you it that's at seven o'clock devotions monday wednesday friday apart from monday the worship on monday will be in the afternoon the devotion will still be available at 12 but we're going to look to do the worship just after one o'clock on monday Otherwise, the rest of the week is back to normal um, in terms of uh, the times. Have a great week, as hard hard as it is at the moment. If there's anything we can do, just email help at springmount.church and we will try our very best. May God bless you and have a fantastic Sunday.